The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Good evening and welcome to Managing to be Wealthy. This is Craig Konstantinovich, your host for the evening. With me is Tyler Cook and John Sestina. Evening, guys. How are we doing here tonight? We're doing fine. How about you, Taylor? (laughs) (laughs) Tyler, thank you. There we go. Should have known better. Yeah, I know a whole new nickname, right, to yeah. start off the show. There we go. That's right. Oh, uh, well, well. Pre- pre- good, 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 good. Well, glad to have you guys here with us tonight, and we've got a jam-packed show here. Uh, what we want to talk about tonight is probably John, your favorite topic of all time: how to build your business, and how to start one, and how to manage one, and exactly how to, how to keep it alive. Flourish, I think, is the phrase that we like to use. How to have the business flourish, no, not I languish. Call, I call it fighting the sharks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just punch them in the nose at that point, and I then do. everything's good, why, right? Why do you think I had to learn all that karate stuff? Come well, on. I mean, I I just know that you also like to make sure that you're well taken care of. So, <laughs> yep. you know, it's one or the other. But, no, again, a jam-packed show here tonight here, folks. Want to make sure that we get you the right information on how to get your business started, what pitfalls to avoid possibly, and especially right now with what we have going on in the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of situations where people are trying to find new ways to either earn income to start their own business, get out on their feet, or possibly regain some of the the ground that their business may have lost as a result of the restrictions and everything else that's going on. So that's what we're here to talk about is how to bounce back from that. But before we do that, uh, again, with everything that's going on right now, I think we've seen it, but we had some interesting data that came out this week about uh, jobs reports, jobless or unemployment claims, everything else. Tyler, did you happen to see those headlines? You know, Craig, actually I didn't. I did not see the specifics on it. Really? Well, this may be the first time I'm I'm more informed than, uh, than Tyler here. I feel, whew, I got a little spring in my step now. <laughs> um, but long and short, what we were looking at here, so the expected job numbers. So we were short almost 300,000 anticipated jobs in the private sector. Um, So that number came out from ADP and their expectations. So we missed the mark a little bit on that, but the jobless claims was right on target. So it it seems kind of strange here, John, any rationale or anything that you could think that we didn't create as many jobs, but we still had the jobless claims numbers where it is? Well, I think things are abnormal right now because we have the government meddling in capitalism. And so that's what I think is causing some of this confusion. Right. It certainly can. And having some of those, you know, additional unemployment benefits and things still continuing up until next month in some instances, uh, there's going to be an interesting transition here in probably the next couple of weeks as we start to see those numbers really play out. Um, But yeah, outside of the headlines here, again, focusing on ways to start your business. So again, we, we get the question all the time. We have people, especially with what's going on out there today, kind of asking us, okay, well, I can't necessarily rely on my income from someone else, so I need to get things started on my own. How do I do that? What do I do? 
So Tyler, what is it that we've seen or what is it that you've talked to your people about when considering starting a business? Yeah, there's a lot there and, and we'll dive into that. But I, I think the first question you have to ask yourself is, you know, are you ready for it? Can can you handle it? You know, some people that have a nine to five type job or or they have somebody they report to, you know, when they walk out the door at five o'clock or leave the office or close your computer at five o'clock, you know, they're done. Mm-hmm. But when you're an owner, it truly never stops, right? It's twenty four seven. Uh, we, we've seen that firsthand with a lot of clients, and, and we work with people in all different industries. I mean, dentists, physicians, small business owners, real estate professionals, attorneys, you know, military teachers, you know, on and on and on. So uh, there's a lot of different areas there, but specifically with small business owners, you know, we're, we're getting emails at 11 p.m. because from the clients because they're still working, right? That's from mm-hmm. the business ownership standpoint. So I think you really have to start with. You know, is this for me? And, and some of it you won't really know until you get into it. But looking yourself in the mirror and saying, okay, what can I do? This addressing it head on and maybe address you know, the elephant in the room or the challenges that you might face and, and just put that out there on the table and see if you think you can address those things before you go further. I think it's a good starting point. That's excellent, Tyler, because the, uh, the main thing you have to get over is the nine to five or what I call the employee mentality. And you have to switch to an entrepreneur mentality. And the number one thing about an entrepreneur is he makes no excuses. And so no matter what time it is or what day it is or how well he feels, he's got to take action. Absolutely. I was going to say, John, you've had a a couple experiences with getting some business started or having some (laughs) successful businesses, not only of your own, but helping others. Oh, yes. Where did you start or how did you kind of dip your toe into the water, so to speak? Well, like everything else in my life, I was thrown into the middle of the lake and I had to learn how to swim. And that's pretty much how this happened, too. I learned about businesses by investigating them, mm-hmm. trying to organize them, trying to put them together with people who did or did not know. And I learned from the ones who were experienced and struggled with the ones who were not. So that's basically where I learned. And it's been it's been very interesting. I'm sure it has. Because as I meet people, that's the great dif- differentiator that I find in most individuals about about almost anything. Yeah, Absolutely. And it, it, just like you had said, there's no excuses. There's no ways, you know, for you to, you know, the buck stops with you, so to speak. So yeah. definitely making sure there's no excuses or if there is, at this point, you're the person that's in charge. You can't point the finger at anyone else. So you've got to find the solution, too. That's it. So definitely something important to make. <clears throat> but then on top of that, too, like you had said, John, you learn from everyone. Yep. You know, you got to take what people do well. And learn from that. You've got to take others who are experienced and they've probably failed several times. Take their feedback on that. Yeah, that's a good point. Most people who are successful have failed at least once before yep. they were successful. So that's <clears throat> that's a big deal. And you have to recognize that because most people today are afraid of failure. So curious, John, out of all the advice, out of everything that you've heard over the entire course of your lifetime here. Oh, you stinker. <laughs> I know. I know. You knew it was coming. I know. <laughs> Long time here, but uh, what is the piece of advice that sticks out most to you? Is it positive? Is it negative? Or, or what was it that stands out the most to you right now? Well, it's got to be the positive, and it, the positive is I'm going to make it. So you may need to be reading some of the self-help books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that when I didn't want to. Uh, Bobby put a bunch of books on my desk, and she said, you need to read these. And I said, no, I don't. I stopped <laughs> reading when I was left college. Yep. And uh, so they sat on my desk for months, and eventually I, I knocked them off the desk. 
And so Bobby being the strong lady she is, she picked them all up, put them back on my desk and said, you need to read these. So eventually I started. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I started reading these books, they began to give me, help me recognize my weak spots. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, my excuses were allowed in. And so we talked about excuses here and, you know, I don't know enough. So I grew up a hillbilly, you know, a college, not a business college, a teacher. I was going to be a teacher and had to go in and figure out businesses. And so there I was as a nothing sitting in front of guys who are worth millions and they want to start a business and they know a lot more than I do. And I had to swim. Yeah. And so no matter what, I had to swim and I did. And that's the key. You have to have that strength uh, and it recognize there are no excuses. It's like, you know, somebody has a gun to your head and you've got to win no matter what. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, let's hope that there's no firearms or anything like that pointed straight at your cranium here. <laughs> oh, I dodged him. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sure you did, John. I know how cat-like you are, almost Matrix-esque reflexes there. So absolutely. Um, but yeah, again, you know, everything that's out there, everyone that talks about the pros and cons of starting a business, everything that you can possibly learn. Try to take that in as early as possible. Learn from those mistakes. Learn from those successes to make sure that you have a good grasp on where to start. Because at this point, it's an idea. You're trying to solve something. You're trying to find a way to produce something. And you're still just learning how to get there. So we've got plenty more on this. We are just getting started, pun intended, on tonight's topic here. But uh, we're coming up here on a break. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy here on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Good evening and welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is your host, Craig Konstantinovich. With me, we have Tyler Cook and John Sestina. Uh, So we were starting the last segment here with how to start your business. So again, a lot of people have a lot of great ideas. A lot of people think they know what it takes to start their business. And if you're thinking about starting yours but want to make sure that your plan's on track, feel free to contact us at 614-326-3077. That's our uh, phone number. We can schedule a complimentary consultation meeting, review your plan, see if you're in a position to start your own business or what that may entail, but also make sure we have your personal financial plan on track because that, those are two very different things. Um, but again, 614-326-3077, and then we can schedule the meeting either virtually or at our Bethel Grove office. But we were talking a little bit in the break here, John, about other businesses you may have started or other avenues that you may have gone, and you brought up a couple of things that you had done. Tyler, what about you? What, what kind of businesses have you started or what have you seen in your time? Yeah, so from when I think of that, I go all the way back to fifth grade, uh, which it sticks with me to this day, but we, uh, in, in school, so it was in an educating educational sec, uh, setting, of course, but we were given some startup money, some seed money, right? Mm-hmm. So what you would think today of you know, maybe like an accredited investor or private equity firm kind of investing in a business, but it, obviously this was in the classroom, and we were given a certain amount of toothpicks, a glue gun, and a certain amount of glue sticks. <laughs> and the, the objective or the business you were building was bridges. You had to build bridges. Yeah. So our, our business was called Boss Bridges. I was the CEO. Uh, my best friend of this day, still, he was the CFO. Uh, and we had to create uh, an operating agreement. We had to create a business plan. But the whole goal was, okay, which bridge will hold the most weight? And that's who's going to make the most money. 
And so we, we learned that process and you learn about team building, learning about the other things. And it was a very simple way, think about it, fifth graders, you know, 10, 11 year olds to teach some of those concepts. And, you know, we also think kids do our, you know, you talk about lemonade stands, you talk about the other babysitting things. I'm not sure as much of that happens today as it, as it did back in the 90s when I was growing up, but those life lessons stuck with me. And it reminds me to this day to just keep things simple. We try to overcomplicate things. And when you're starting a business, you can get so into the weeds of the idea of the concept. And if you're, especially if you're passionate about it, you can go off on a lot of different tangents. And you have to remind yourself, okay, let's, let's rein it back in. Let's simplify things and just get started because just, just getting started is the hardest part. The rest of the stuff you can kind of figure out as you go, but try to keep it simple. It's like the acronym that our, our Navy has used, right? The KISS, and keep it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to be said with that when you're starting a business. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think one of the other things you had touched on there very briefly is understanding your why. You know, you want to have something that you're passionate about because, like you had mentioned, John, to start, it's something that you're going to be doing every single waking hour of your day. You have got to be passionate about it, but you also have to have some knowledge about it, and you have to be able to create some of those separations where, you know, yes, I understand that I am passionate about it, but is this the best move for the business right now? And you have to start to think logically and in tandem be passionate about what it is that you're doing, which I'm sure in your experience, John, is not always an easy thing to do. No, not at all. In fact, I was thinking as you guys were recounting businesses, of course, I had a lot of businesses, too. I was delivering papers. At one time, I sold paintings. You know these paintings on felt? Well, you've seen them on oh, street yeah. corners. Uh, <laughs> I sold those for a while, and I, I did all kinds of things, landscaping and so on and so forth. But the one thing that was interesting to me as I look now back over all the years, how long have we been around? 56 years? I mean, you've been around for a little bit longer than that, I think, closer to 60-plus at this point. Oh, my goodness gracious. (laughs) And you guys never talk about that. Okay. Marketing, marketing. Yeah, you're right. Never, (laughs) never, ever, ever. So anyway, so you get caught up in all that stuff. And people, when they think, okay, business, they immediately want to go to the business model, Mm -hmm. uh, business education model. Mm -hmm. And between you, me, and the fence post, and I'm sure there are no professors listening, you ain't going to learn nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you have to recognize, you have to be able to think on your feet. You have to have a uh, hookup with some people that you trust. Uh, you're going to need a good accountant in mm-hmm. your business. And as it grows, you're going to need a good attorney. But in the beginning, you just have to be light on your feet, move, dodge the bullets, and be excited about where you're going. That's what I like to hear. All things that are definitely a part of it for... A second there, I thought you were describing being on the hot seat and hosting a radio show, but then you said accountant, and, and that just alleviated that. So, um, But yeah, again, you're, you're touching on all the right points there. You want to have the right team in place because you're going to need to focus on your business. There's other aspects of the business that you may be blind to, so you need to bring in those people that know that area so you can focus on what you're best at. Yeah, that's a grave error that many entrepreneurs make. They think they know everything, mm-hmm. and what you have to realize is when you're starting a new enterprises new enterprise, there may be lots of things you don't know anything about. And that's why you have these other people to sensitize you to those areas so you can grow in them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, John, we see that a lot, or I've seen that a lot too with, with dentists in particular. I don't know why it just rings a bell with me, but a lot of the people I've seen uh, run very successful practices, but at some point they try to do too much. Right. Uh, it would, and just, you know, they went to school for dentistry, right? Not necessarily to run a business. So it does take some time to learn 
the way you're going to run a business, and that's for any field, not just dentists. But uh, in particular, I think you know the dentist side of things. They they try to do a lot within the inner office areas. A lot of times, spouses are involved, uh, and there's, so there, that can complicate things too. And it, but it also works out to be a very beautiful thing when you've got all the right parts in the right spot. But I think it takes a few years for people to figure that out. And so knowing knowing what you're great at, knowing what you're not so great at, the sooner you recognize that, the more successful the business will be. Right. Those must be the doctors that got started when I stopped teaching at Ohio State. <laughs> the, the dentistry department used to have me come on and do, I think it was about eight weeks. Really? Of how to run a business and so on and so forth. And I've met a lot of those folks later on, and they're very successful. In fact, we've had a few come up to us later. Mm-hmm. And I think of one, I don't know, with, with uh, whom he's working. But he goes and says, he heard me in this lecture, and he followed what I told him, and he was a multimillionaire and decided it was too big for him to handle now, and so he hired us. Excellent. That's got to be the most satisfying thing of all, to pass that kind of education on, because like you said, it's not always something that we're taught, not something that's in, in a traditional schooling setting. So, yep. excellent. Uh, I'm sure part of that segment then, John, was for any successful business owner to truly be able to get out there. They have to imagine that they have zero dollars in the bank account at one point or another, right? Yep. <laughs> and that's because right now, again, I'm, I'm sure we all hear it, but over half of businesses fail within the first five years. Yeah, they do. And that's, again, for one reason or another. But as you look at it here, you've got to understand that, yes, that is a very real possibility. So you need to become equipped or plan ahead of time that that could be a real reality. So constantly saving, maybe trying to start your business while you're still an employee elsewhere, but use that seed money, use that savings capability that you have, accumulate funds on the sidelines, and that way if you do face hardships, you're not going to be surprised by it. Yeah, you will face hardships. <laughs> At least one one or two. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so there's definitely those pieces, uh, like we had talked about, the other thing, John, and I know you were joking about it in some sense, but also serious, you always have to be marketing. If yes. you don't talk about your business, people aren't going to know it's out there. Right. And so you have to make sure that you're bragging about what it is that you're doing, how you're going about it, what it is you're looking at. Because without that, you may not draw up enough consumer interest to actually make your business thrive when the time comes. So you got to make sure that, again, marketing is always subject to change. But just start. Word of mouth is where you need to start, and you need to be passionate and have your pitch already relatively warmed up to where you can explain it clearly and concisely to someone. Have your elevator speech always ready. Yep. And that's 30 seconds. You can explain your business, and their eyes blink, and they call you the next day. Exactly. Well, we're coming up on another break here. You've been listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy. This is Craig Konstantinovich, your host for the evening. With me in studio is John Sestina, and we also have Tyler Cook that's phoned a friend to join us here tonight. Uh, We've been talking about how to start and build a successful business, a.k.a. flourish, not languish. Uh, So we've gotten some pro insider tips from John himself, sharing some of his experiences. A little bit of insight from Tyler as well, all the way back to fifth grade with some of his details on how to start a business. But now we want to focus more so on that next phase. So let's say you're one of those fortunate fools that's able to make it past five years 
that threshold that so many businesses fail at. So now you've made it five years. How do you keep the business going? When's the right time to expand? These are typically the questions that you start to ask yourself. And so, Tyler, I know you've got some insights here. What do you do after that five-year mark? Yeah, it's, it's hopefully you're doing this annually already, but that's a great point to sit down and just revisit, okay, what's, what's the long-term vision of the business? What's the goal? You know, did you expect to be in this for seven years and get out or 10 years? Or you, know, you got to think bigger picture, but five years is a great kind of milestone to, to reset and say, all right, am I going to keep growing? Am I, am I going to take this to the next level or am I comfortable with where I'm at? And either answer is okay, right? There's nobody here to tell you which answer is more appropriate. It's more about what your goal is, just like everything with financial planning. So sitting down and revisiting that is so important. I recently worked with somebody who sold a business and had some major life-changing events, and we had to sit down and talk through what's next. You know, what does it look like? And nobody had asked that question to them. You know, they and they hadn't even really isolated and taken the time on their own to really think through it. So evaluating that next step at that five-year mark of any business is a great idea. And then, of course, annually sitting down and reviewing your goals is always a prudent recommendation. So I think you got to take a look at what the goal is. And let's, for our purpose today, let's say it's growth. You want to grow. Mm-hmm. Well, we talk about it all the time, having processes, having routines, having procedures, having something that's scalable. That's mm-hmm. so important. And I'll use my dentist example earlier. I take a lot on the HR side, the human resources side of the business. Uh, a lot of times I'll see doctors try to run the whole part of it, right? Dentists and physicians try to manage a 401k plan and the accounting and the payroll. And it's just, you got to, again, know what you're good at, recognize it. If you really truly want to scale the business, you're going to have to either outsource some of those things or hire the right people internally to do that and take it off your plate. So that that's really, I think, the next part of that five-year five year mark is a great point to sit down, revisit where you're at. And if the goal is growth, you're probably going to have to adjust a few things to get to that next step. And that can be uncomfortable because mm-hmm. for a lot of business owners, when you have to do those types of things like outsourcing, you're giving up control. And that's a big issue with a lot of business owners, especially if it's just them from day one. You're making a great point, Tyler. I remember hiring a consultant many, many years ago, and he came in and asked me several questions and embarrassed me, of course. And then he said, "Uh, how many hours a week are you working? I said, oh, I'm working 80 hours a week. And he says, what's wrong with you? I said, what do you mean? I had to do it. I was the one. I was the key guy. He says, if you can't do it in 40 hours a week, you're doing it wrong. And I thought, are you crazy? And he said, well, well, tell me all the things you're doing. And he did. And I did. And he said, well, then you need to hire somebody else to do X, Y, Z. I said, but they can't do it as well as I can. He says, that's right. They'll do it better. And boy, did that blow my socks off, right? I was going to say, knowing you, you probably took that constructive criticism very easily, just welcomed it in. I only knocked down one wall, so it was easy. But uh, yeah, but he was so right. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that was when I learned the real critical lesson about businesses. You have to be a good delegator. Absolutely. And look how well I did here. There was Craig Konstantinovich and mm-hmm. Tyler Cook and Stephen Lucan. And what a bunch of winners there was there. Yeah. Don't forget Anthony Payne, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Tony Payne. <laughs> so I found these winners and groomed you guys to mm-hmm. where you could just take it over flawlessly yeah, and, and make it better. Exactly. And that hopefully we're able to get to it here, but that succession planning, that's so crucial to businesses and too many people dwell and don't just focus on that from the very beginning. Right. Um, so that that's another piece, you know, hopefully we're able to get to that here a little bit later on, but mm-hmm. exactly scalability, growing, finding the right people, 
you know, a lot of times businesses fail because they trust the wrong people or something goes awry, whether that's too much competition, wrong people, or they don't know necessarily what to charge for those different things for what it is that they're offering. So those are all things that can derail your business growth. And you have to be ready for the fact that you bring people on and you train them. Mm-hmm. And just when they're getting good, they quit. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and they become your competition. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden you're wondering what secrets are leaked out there. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, right. Oof. None, of course. None. Absolutely none. But Tyler, what else have, have you seen here? What else do you need to be thinking about as you're building your business and getting to that next phase of the business? Well, hiring the right people is critical, and and of course the onboarding is a onboarding and training, like you guys said, was is really really important. But I, I think after that point, if you again sticking with growth as the theme here, if that's the next phase for the business after that five year mark, you've got to think about ways to reward your staff and ways to continue to implement. It's it's one thing to sit down and set goals, but if you just put them on that piece of paper and don't really look at them and don't truly, you know, work the plan, then it's it's worthless. So you've got to come up with a strategy and a routine. To, to build and, and continue to implement the tools. And, you know, on the HR side, sticking with the human resources idea that I mentioned earlier, I think, John, this is very different maybe than, than when you got started, you know, 50, 60 years ago. But there are a lot of resources right now. Most of it's online. But we, or you can tap into a pool of HR services. So you can outsource a lot of this stuff from payroll and accounting and bookkeeping and so forth, health, health insurance, other benefits. And you have one one resource where you can link that into your business. And, and it adds a lot of value to the business, of course, for the employees, but it does simplify to our earlier point, part of that implementation and part of that ongoing management. Uh, so you still need somebody likely to run that for you. If Again, if you're focused on you know, meeting with clients or seeing patients or whatever your business is, and that's what you're good at, that's what you should still do. But there's a lot of more resources that I think are, are at our disposal today than there were perhaps, John, when you got started years ago. Oh, you're surely right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so you you have those things. And and one thing you had mentioned there, Tyler, was, you know, rewarding your employees. I mean, at this point, if you're five years in, you probably have your team of advisors, your team of consultants, like you were talking about, John, but you've also probably started to add employees. So you've got to understand what the cost of hiring employees is, because it's not as simple as just paying their wage and all of a sudden everything's good. There's a lot of things that go into that. John, what are some of those things that are part of bringing on new employees? Well, that's the hardest part of the business mm-hmm. because being able to find them, I'm, I'm trying to imagine how many people I've interviewed over my years. And I remember one guy, he was going to save the world, and he only lasted 15 seconds in our business. So, <laughs> you know, you have to be really careful about interviewing the person who fits the, uh, the what is it, the family mode or the the genre of the of the group mm-hmm. because you bring in one raw guy and he rocks the boat and disrupts what you've been building so long and yeah. i've gone through that a few times i'm sure <laughs> just a few times probably yeah, just a few <laughs> but absolutely so there's you know you also want to have them kind of buy into the the company mindset the company mantra um so you want to find that right fit from that perspective but also you need to look at things like okay well what about workers compensation do I have the means to do that? What about payroll taxes? Because now I've got to be concerned about that. What is a payroll department that I can use? Do I need to outsource that? Is that something I need to do? So there's all of those things. And then you get to the fun stuff of, well, should I be offering benefits to these people? And these are easy conversations to have just in general sense. But when you start looking at the numbers and crunching them, 
it's astonishing how quickly some of these costs can add up. Oh, yeah. Now, there's new ways that you can do that. There's new group benefits that can be out there in certain things, but it's still an expense that needs to be factored in. And I can strongly say that as you look at it for your business sake, the largest expense you're going to have is your employees. So you better make sure you have the right ones. That's no no doubt about that. Absolutely. Well, again, with that note, we're coming up on another break here. You've been listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Good evening and welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy here. This is your host for the evening, Craig Konstantinovich. We also have Tyler Cook and John Sestina all with us here tonight. We've been talking about how to start, grow, and now we're going to be talking about how to successfully protect and transition your business so that way you can have not only a thriving, flourishing business, but also you can take that next phase in life and make sure that your business has its succession plan in place. Uh, so we were talking a little bit here before about you know ways that you need to grow your business, when is the right time to consider hiring employees and everything else. But Tyler, you had brought up a good point here. Well, not only do you want to hire and grow, but you want to make sure that you're in a place to protect yourself what do you mean by that, or how do you protect your business? Yeah, there's several angles. Uh, first, you think with business owners, you know, liability. Uh, depending upon your profession, liabilities vary, uh, of course, for depending upon the day-to-day routines and what's involved. But protecting yourself with the right business structure, of course, is important. Obviously, along the last five years of growth and, and previous just getting started, what type of entity to set up is a huge conversation. So we kind of skipped over that. But that's a big one, especially from the tax side, too. But once you're up and rolling and you're, you've, you've had that five-year mark and you're still growing, you're likely building a pretty substantial asset within your plan, your financial plan. And so protecting it is critical. And that's from, of course, if you go down as a business owner, you know, the most common thing to happen is disability. People think, often think about somebody dying. Obviously, that's terrible as well. But the statistics continue to show you're more likely to become disabled than you are to die. And as a business owner, that's a huge risk to the business, especially if it's one key person or just a couple people that are running the show. If one of them goes down, that can be, have a huge impact on everybody else, including the employees. So making sure you've got the proper disability policies in place, life insurance, and so forth. And again, I, I don't, uh, be, you know, being fee only, when we're sitting down talking about this, meaning we don't sell products, when we have these conversations about life and disability insurance, people are hesitant to, to take it on because. It's costly. It's expensive. But there's a reason why, and it's because it's the most likely thing to happen to somebody. So the insurance companies aren't stupid, and they price it accordingly. But, again, being fee-only by not selling products, by not earning commissions, if we're sitting down in front of somebody and saying, hey, consider this as a business owner. Consider overhead insurance. Consider your own disability policy. It's, it's because they need it. It's not because we're making a commission. So, John, that goes back to how you set this whole thing up years ago is just that transparency and being able to give advice, and now people call it fiduciary standard and so forth. But this is huge with business owners because a lot of times they have the I'm invincible mentality. And they forget, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of cracks that come in when you talk about insurance. So protecting it is so important. Absolutely. Yeah, and and you had touched on a, a couple of them there. So disability insurance, liability protection. And for business owners, too, the other one is, hey, if you are maybe that point person, but you do have a lot of employees that are on board, maybe even some business overhead protection. So allowing an insurance policy, basically a disability 
policy for your position as the business owner to kind of pick up and run with where you may be. I mean, that's one of the most valuable items that we've seen because it can help cover all of those fixed expenses, keeping the lights on, the roof over the business's head, everything else. So that could be invaluable when all is said and done. John, any other ways you've talked about protecting businesses before? Well, certainly disability, that's a perfect one to start with. Uh, there's so many others. What about uh, if you if you die? Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen several circumstances where one of, a, let's say, three owners, one of them dies and they weren't properly protected because mm -hmm. they didn't do what they needed to do. And all of a sudden they're surprised to find out that the wife of one of them has a brother who's a lawyer. And you can imagine how much fun that was once oh, the yeah. lawyer became involved. So you need to have what we call what, buy-sell agreements? That is correct, yeah. And so you have to decide what's going to happen if you go down or one of your partners goes down or whatever the case may be, and how are you going to pay for it? Yep. And you can pay for it out of the business, but yet generally most companies really can't afford to do that. And so they tend to buy life insurance. And back to Tyler's point, you look at the right life insurance for the individual because we don't sell it. Mm -hmm. And so you can give them advice as to, A, they have to have it, B, how much they have to have, and how about how do they pay for it? Exactly. So there's all kinds of things there, Craig. Absolutely. Absolutely. And part of that, too, is that the business continuity plan. So succession planning is determining if I leave or if something happens, who's going to take over or how is the business going to continue in my stead. With a continuity plan, you're assuming that the business is going to continue. It's not done. It's not going to find someone else. But you need to have that business continue to flourish. So what do you need to look for there? So, Tyler, what are some of the, the key indicators or things that you start to look for to really evaluate what continuity plan I should look for? Yeah, that's, to me, it always it starts with the people first before any anything else. And is there somebody else that could fulfill the duties and the roles that need to be done? And then talk to them. You have to have that conversation. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to business owners about that and and I say, okay, something happens to you, then what? And they say, oh, well, so-and-so will take over. I said, okay, great. Have you, have you talked to them about that? Well, no. <laughs> well, that might be a problem. Yeah. That's, that might be a problem to start. So communication is key on those things. And I think the reason why people don't talk about it is because it's not fun to talk about. Mm -hmm. the, fun or, the, the, the more fun or the, or the exciting part is on the other side of it when you run your business and it, it's more on that, hey, I'm ready to retire and, and I want somebody to take this thing over. And you kind of do it on your own terms. That That's the fun conversation. But continuing it from an, an interruption standpoint or, or some unexpected things, people don't like to talk about that. Yeah, and especially the, the worst circumstances, believe it or not, in this discussion is if it's all family members mm -hmm. because there, there are different standards. They assume, well, I'm his brother or I'm his uncle or whatever, and that causes more confusion if something does happen. So you're right, Tyler. you got to talk to them. Absolutely. And and especially when you're looking at, you know, smaller businesses in particular, where maybe it's, you know, a half dozen people, dozen people, whatever the case may be, not only is the owner of the business something that you should be concerned about, at that point, you've got key employees, you've got key people that are fulfilling obligations, fulfilling things that, like we've talked about here, you've realized that your talents may not necessarily be as equitable or as good as theirs they're fulfilling a more significant role by doing that specific duty. If you lose them, that could be a very difficult spot to put in. So, Tyler, what, what about losing a key employee? How do we possibly plan around that? Yeah, that, that's tough. Uh, that's why the training and onboarding in the, in the beginning of hiring people 
you know, it translates all the way through to scenarios like that where somebody else is kind of stepping up or taking on another role. And that, that's a, a real challenge for a lot of businesses, just losing their, their key people, the, the key talent. And even worse than that might be customers. You know, mm-hmm. one of the other people, one of the owners goes down, the, some of the customers lose faith in, in whatever the service is or the product being offered and there's issues. And then if you don't have any customers, you don't have a business. So that's a key piece to make sure that that internal policies are in place. Again, you've gone through those phases of building it, growing it, protecting it. Now, again, if something should happen, you're no longer there. I'm not on your terms. That you know, that's this process that can take years to figure it out. So, I think the best advice we can tell somebody now, if they haven't had this conversation, is just to start thinking about it, but then talk about it. And Include the, those people in the conversation, and and really just just get started. Absolutely, and you're so right about that. You need to talk to your customers as well. Prepare for them for the transition. Absolutely. If you don't do that, then you're in deep doo doo. Right. And and again, it's not necessarily the most enjoyable conversation to have, but even just setting that out there, making them aware of that possibility and saying, Hey, I've already got a plan. You want to talk about marketing, John, that that's one heck of a marketing plan right there. Yeah, it sure is. If you're working with someone and they don't have a su- succession plan, then they're in trouble and you might want to look for someone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, we're, we're getting ready to wrap up the show here. There's, we're only just cracking the iceberg here on what could be done or what should be done to make your business successful. Again, if you're looking for another set of eyeballs, another set of insights, feel free to reach out to us, schedule a complimentary consultation meeting. You can visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com or call our office at 614-326-3077 get everything organized, get you to sit down with one of our CFPs and make sure that you're able to talk about what's most important to you. Thanks again, everyone out there. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.